Ladies and gentlemen, this podcast is not affiliated with the MCU. In fact, we've never heard of the MCU. For this is a Fred the Iron Productions podcast. Cue music. I don't know what we're yelling about! We came, we saw, we kicked its ass! Finished. Are you telling me you built a time machine out of a DeLorean? The way I see it, if you're going to build a time machine into a car, why not do it with some style? Who is this? What's your operating number? Conversation anyway. Loud noises! G'day! Hello! Hello! Philip. Hello, Wayne. Hey. <laughs> I'm a Philip Hunt. I'm a Wayne Stellini. And welcome to a podcast called Fred. Yay. Number 42. Two. 42. Ooh. We're in the early 40s. <laughs> Feels a bit weird. Someone's missing. Someone is missing. Someone's not here. Kendall, you've changed your hair <laughs> and your gender. I think at this stage, people were thinking you and I were the same person, Philip. I think so, yeah. Not really ever in the same That's room, it. are we? That's it. <laughs> Although that makes uh, Fred Watch a bit awkward. A bit awkward, but let's just pretend no one ever mm. listens to Fred Watch. What do you mean pretend? <laughs> <laughs> it's what the stats tell us. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Kendall is away for the week. She is for the weekend. Yeah, she's away enjoying Radelaide. Having too much fun, so I can't wait to hear Far all about it fun. when she comes back. Most sweetly. Philip, what have you been up to? I have been up to a lot. Um... After he says that, he can't think of a single thing that he's been up to. No, um, so, uh, went prop hunting Ooh. Um, just recently and discovered this beautiful little um, antique shop um, down in Kilsyth. Yes. Um, called Hunted Gifts. <laughs> no, Hunted Antiques. Where did I get gifts from? Doesn't matter. Um, really nice place. Um, hashtag non-spawn. And they, yeah, just like, you, you know, the mill market? Yes. I would say twice the size of any mill market I've been in. Wow. Um, just, yeah, really nice sort of uh, bric-a-brac and antiques and stuff. Some, oh, um, uh, out, some arcades. Handheld? No, uh, yeah. Oh. Bo- big box units. Wow. I had yeah. one of those as a kid. Oh, did you? Yeah, <sighs> yeah. Obviously nothing digital because remember I'm a child yeah, of the eighties. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it was it was actually a lot of fun. I oh, remember. that's brilliant. Yeah, and even before that, I remember my brother making one out of wood and pegs and nails. Are we talking about like the a same? Pin, little pinball oh, thing? Yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. That's what you mean. I think so. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm talking like a digital sort of thing. Like you, you'd go in and play Street Fighter on. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Don't forget, like you know, I've been alive before <laughs> electricity was invented. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. We were poor. Yeah. <laughs> we had to make our own things it's so funny hearing you say that because i used to cop the same thing when i was at uh bappa yes i was the second oldest um person in the class yeah but for some reason the oldest person in the class didn't cop any flack <laughs> i did it's usually uh, the person who either um either makes a joke of it themselves <laughs> points it out themselves or perhaps isn't as worldly maybe yeah, maybe. maybe so it makes them sound a bit all I know, I think, I've, I think it's more a case of that I did the whole World War One reenactment, <laughs> and I quite a few of the guys go, "Oh yeah, you were around in the eighteen hundreds, what you feel?" It's like, shut up. <laughs> it's so. And then f- I'd answer their question. <laughs> <laughs> You've just got to turn it back. I remember um, working with a guy who was in year twelve. Um, he was eighteen because mm-hmm. I think he had repeated a year, and we were chatting and. 
he was telling me how he would never date anybody over the age of like 23 or 24. And I was like, oh, okay. He goes, yeah, like anyone after that is really ancient. <laughs> and I was like, oh, well, you know, what, what, what am I then? And he goes, oh, you're like, you're beyond that. You're mummified. Wow. <laughs> so he would tease me about being really old. I would tease him about being really young. So I would just call him the fetus. <laughs> <laughs> just be like, let's play it. So we had some really fun banter then. Yeah. So, yeah, so you were in your element in an antique store yes, then, clearly. Yes, was, <laughs> yes well, shut up. Um, we, were, we were looking looking for antiques and we saw you in the window. Oh, um, I was there. <laughs> priceless, though, wasn't I? Yes, yes. yes. priceless. Um, how was your week? Yeah, it's been good, been busy. I am relaxing a little bit because I attended my last class of my university degree. Woo! Yes, Q fireworks and party poppers and all of those things. And as you know, Phil, you know, just because you finish the class, it doesn't mean you don't have work oh, to no. do. Oh, no. Uh, what was great, though, I was getting a lot of these memories coming up on Facebook about, mm-hmm. you know, I had posted that I was in an exam. This was my last exam. I'm doing <laughs> this exam. I'd posted an exam that you and I were doing at the same time for history. <laughs> yep. And I just remember walking out of that final exam, not even doing that great, but yeah. I could afford not to do great because the coursework and essays I'd done beforehand yeah. w- w- were strong enough that all I yep. needed to do was pass and I would still get a good grade overall. Yep. I just walked out so happy. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, walking out of the final class this time around was a bit of an anticlimax because you know, have a presentation in a few days. I have a huge assessment due the following week. Then I'd like to think I can relax, but I still have a thesis to write. <laughs> so it's all study. So yeah, not going to be an interesting summer. Maybe, <laughs> maybe, maybe not. Maybe. Busy summer, but it's been good. Yeah. So yeah. that's been me unwinding and watching a lot of Netflix. I think then it is time for the news. Ooh. This is the news and nerdy news. The nerds that talk about the nerdy news. That is us who talk about the news that is nerdy. And now the queen of nerdydom. The hostess with most s. Mr. Black. Take it away. Mr. Black. Yes, it is Mr. Black with the news this week. (laughs) So filling in for the Kendall Richardson. Yes. Let's see what's making the nerdy news this week. In film, Ridley Scott is moving forward with a sequel to his Oscar-winning Swords and Sandals masterpiece, Gladiator. Peter Craig is set to write the film, which will follow the continuing story of Lucius, who was played by Spencer Treat Clark in the 2000 original. Don't know how they're going to do a sequel to Gladiator. Well, it'll follow um, Lucius and not Russell Crowe's character, because he is dead. Yes, this is... yes. Yes. So, but that will be interesting. Essentially, I think it's just going to be another, you know... Swords and Sandals yeah. epic. Yeah, so it's just, just a run-of-the-mill thing, but because it's connected to this brilliant universe. Movie, as it were, yeah. yeah, yeah. Are you a fan of Gladiator? Have you seen? I it didn't film? mind it. Um, yeah. I know a lot of history buffs are a bit sort of amar about it. Yeah. Um, there's, there's a big thing with uh, history nerds <laughs> watching these films because whilst you know it's easy to say, oh, but it's just a bit of entertainment. You do sit there and go, yes, but this is informs the public psyche. People believe mm. Braveheart to a T, yes. yet it is one of the most historically inaccurate films of a historic genre, of a historical figure. Yeah, exactly. Let's remember, you're not reading a history book. 
you're watching entertainment and you have to add in all of these things to make it a bit more fun. Yet, Master and Commander mm. is so pinpoint accurate, there is literally only one change in the movie from the source material. Yes. And it is an odd change, to be fair, and it is rather large. So it's a significant change. Significant, but um, in the the actual battle, in the because it was an actual, there were two ships that are hunting down. In the reality, it was a British ship versus an American ship. Yeah. But um, they decided you can't make the Americans the bad guys, otherwise it's not going to sell well in America. Exactly. Which was uh, proven wrong with um, letters from Okinawa? Yeah, you're thinking of the Clint Eastwood film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, it's not from Okinawa, but I do know of the film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, which pits the Americans essentially as the bad guys because it's from the Japanese point of view. Yes. And American audiences did not have a problem with it. Yes, but it also had another film to balance it out as well. Um, and mind you, even though I'm not saying anything about Ridley Scott, fantastic mm. filmmaker... Clint Eastwood does have this knack for storytelling. In oh, yeah. It's a, oh, it's a yeah. different type. You, when you see a Clint Eastwood film, you do go in with different expectations. Yeah, this is true. Um, but this Ridley Scott true. does make fantastic films. I'm Most glad that he's behind the sequel mm, mm. for Gladiator. And the challenge for Peter Craig, who is writing this film, mm-hmm. is to give me a better monologue than <laughs> the Bees monologue. Yeah. I love that monologue that Joaquin Phoenix delivers. Yeah. It is one of the greatest monologues in cinema history (laughs) beautifully written beautifully performed so stylishly filmed but if we're moving on to other entertainment Mm -hmm. mm, (laughs) that ewan mcgregor has signed on to appear in dc's birds of prey so he's going to be alongside margot robbie and he will play black mask oh wow yeah so we can expect that to be in Australian cinemas on the 6th of February in 2020. So a bit of a wait, but I think it'll work on the momentum that hopefully DC is rebuilding. Mm -hmm. So looking forward to that, Phil? Yeah, look, I don't know much about Birds of Prey, to Mm. be perfectly honest. Um, I couldn't even tell you who's in the... Um, thing I think you got Huntress, Black Canary. It was the basis for a really bad TV series uh, quite a few years ago, but I think it's going to work better on film, a bit more contained. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think by the you know this stage, DC will have the style that's accessible. Yeah, you know. Yep. So um, I look forward to it. I think it's good. Yeah, female led cast. I love Ewan McGregor. Yes. Um, I know my sister loves Ewan McGregor, but recently has been sort of, oh, but he cheated on his wife or he did the. And I just I sit there and go, okay, yes, I get it. Mm. People do bad things. But here's the thing. You can't keep every role model squeaky clean. And not only that, if we're going to judge artists based on their private and personal lives, that really is not my business. That's it. What they do. There are certain things that cross the line. Yeah. You know, any of the Hollywood people that have recently been uh, rightfully uh, uh, knocked down yeah. by uh, because of their sexual assault stuff, then yeah, yes, that is fine. Um, but if, if he's had an affair, then that's between him, his wife, and his mistress. Yeah. And the courts, if it's going to yeah. go there, not I'm, Hollywood. I'm just concerned. Is he going to do a good job acting? It's you and McGregor. It. The answer is yes. Yeah, that's it. Take my money. That's it. Yeah. Exactly. As far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Yes. And I think people just need to focus their whinging on something a bit more important and yeah. significant, such as our next topic, which is Bad Boys 3. <laughs> <laughs> nice because this, you know, masterful... 
franchise. We need another film in this. So Will Smith and Martin Lawrence have revealed that Bad Boys 3 is in the works. It's been a while since part two. But we clearly need a part three, don't we, yeah. Philip? Oh, Everything, you know, mm. old is new again. Why not? I'm not sure if you're being sarcastic or not because... Oh, look, I, out of all the action movies that have come and gone through Hollywood, look, Bad Boys was fine. Yeah. Entertaining. Yeah. I have was... absolutely no a, a, a attraction or, a, yeah. or affiliation with it at all. I'm just like, yeah, it's just another one. <laughs> you know how you've got, like, action movies that have strong cult followings yeah. and all of these things? I don't feel any of that for Bad Boys. Yeah. Uh, it's it's nothing special. But you know what? It'll be a fun action movie. It's The two leads are back. Yep. They're good actors in their own right. Yep. yep. Do you think maybe they're a bit too old now? Well, I don't know. Bruce Cause... Willis is still doing Die Hard. Yes. You know, Sylvester Stallone and team were doing The Expendables. Yep. And that was great because that was using old, if you will, action men. Mm-hmm. And putting them into a new film and a new franchise. Yeah. And The Expendables is just a lot of fun because of that. Yeah. 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 No, fair enough. But that's I a don't very know. Good call. Look, it'll make a lot of money. Yeah. Yep. And yeah, that's, that's, and that's, that's, and that's the reason why like, why Hollywood needs Bad Boys 3. That's it. Like, I would argue, the reason I make that argument is because I would say right now, uh, Harrison Ford with Indiana Jones. Yes. The Crystal Skull. Yeah. That, to me, was a bridge too far for him. Yeah, yeah. He needs to, at his age, stick to either change genres or yeah. stick to the I want my family back action yeah, movies. exactly. Because that suits his yes. age. He should take a leaf out of Liam Neeson's book. Yeah, <laughs> that's it, that's it. <laughs> and also, Phil, so finalising our film little segment here, um, yes. IT director Andy Muschietti, I'm sorry if I got that wrong, he's going to helm the live-action film adaptation of Attack on Titan. Oh, But he's also going to direct the latest big screen rendition of H.G. Wells' The Time Machine. Oh, nice. Yeah, so I think that's going to be something to look forward to. More looking forward to another version of The Time Machine, I think, than anything else. Are you a fan of the story? Yeah, I love the story. Um, I've re- read both the book and watched the original film. Yeah, with Rod um, Taylor. Yes, Yeah, yes. it's a great film, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Um, I didn't actually mind the one with... Um, Guy Pierce either it wasn't as good, but it was okay. Yeah, I don't think I've seen the that remake. Yeah, but I've seen the first yeah version. I think yeah, unless there was a version before that that I yeah. don't know. But the Rod In, Taylor one is the more famous one for a reason. Yeah. yeah. In 1901, H.G. Wells writes the Time Machine. In 1900, <laughs> uh, he produced it. <laughs> Such a bad joke. Yeah. <laughs> Moving on to television news. Ironically, I said it backwards. <laughs> Did you? Uh, really? Yeah. <laughs> I could see the struggle in the delivery yeah. on your I, face. There was. There's, this there's, is there's, not an invitation, uh, Philip. Sure, it is, sure. It is. <laughs> this is a you news bulletin. Want, you want to be on my show? You follow my rules. Hey, man, I'm no longer a guest host. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> then you should know the rules. Um, Where's Fulia when you need her? She always, you know, moves, moves Kendall and I a lot. There's, um, there's a incompetent game of bloopers where I tell a joke on the phone and I say it backwards. Oh, Philip. Uh, it's, it's the, the joke is, um, what's uh, Sean Connery's favourite time to book Wimbledon? About tenish. Uh, it's, it's a bad one. But I say it on the phone again. Hey, hey, when does, when does Sean Connery like to play tennis? <laughs> Thank you, Philip. We're all better for knowing that. You're welcome. <laughs> Thank you so much. 
So something a little bit more fabulous than that joke, not by much, but just a little bit more yeah, fabulous, yeah. is that VH1 has announced a one-off Christmas special of RuPaul's Drag Race. Ooh. Yeah, so this will be exciting. So vying for the inaugural title of Drag Race Christmas Queen includes former contestants Eureka O'Hara, mm-hmm. Shangela, Latrice Ooh. Royale, Mayhem Miller, and Trixie Mattel. Hey, Trixie. Yay, big fan. I'm a big fan of Trixie. Yeah. Um, Kirsten and I watch her show <laughs> with uh, Trixie and Katya. Beautiful. So RuPaul's Drag Race Holy Slay Spectacular <laughs> will air on December 7 in the United States, which means that it won't be too long thereafter that we'll get it in Australia on stand. So nice. I think it's going to be a lovely new Christmas tradition. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Why not? HBO has announced that Naomi Watts will star in a Game of Thrones prequel. So there are currently five prequels in the <laughs> works. Watch Game of Thrones, Phil? Nope. No. I've seen the pilot I, episode, which I really liked. I, I was about to say, I keep telling people, oh, yeah, I got up to that episode where the kid gets kicked out of the uh, building. And they're like, that was the first episode! <laughs> <laughs> but it's one of these ones that people keep telling me, oh, yeah, you have to sort of get through the first season and then it's good after that. Why should I have to slog through one whole season that's not so good according to the fans. Yeah. Uh, which, again, I won't say according to all fans. I'm just saying people that tell me, oh, yeah, no, because I was like, oh, it was a bit mm-hmm. slow-paced. First episode was a bit slow-paced for me, and I was at uni at the time, so I didn't really have time to, oh, you know, you got to get through the first season. It is a bit slow-paced, but then it really kicks off in season two. Uh, I'm not going to be held hostage to a show just to wait for the good stuff. Well, I don't know. I guess maybe it's setting things up. I've only seen the pilot as well, and I have to say I really enjoyed it. Mm. But because there were all these characters being introduced and all these things happening, I've said to myself, I need to wait till I've got time to invest in the series. I think I'll forget and all of these things. So I'm going to wait till the show is actually finished completely. I'm already telling you, I'm not going to bother with five prequels. (laughs) Just let's have this contained story. But, you know... It's a franchise that's doing well, has its fan no, base. No, most certainly. More power can't, to can't them. Can't knock them. Talking about a series that has a fan base. So, Castlevania executive producer and ah. showrunner, Adi Shankar, he told IndieWire recently that The Simpsons has decided to drop the character of Apu Nahasimhin Pedalon. Now, the long-running animated show's executive producer, Al Jean, has actually weighed in on this report recently. So he tweeted that Shanko is not a producer on The Simpsons. I wish him all the very best, but he does not speak for our show. Mm. So Al Jean's clearly not confirming, but not denying those rumours of Apu being written out. Mm. I had an epic rant about this last week <laughs> when Ooh. we reported it. Yep. And... You know, this is linked to the documentary, The yep. Problem with Apu. Mm-hmm. I hadn't seen that documentary last week. I actually have seen it since. Ah, yep. My opinion has not changed. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not... For those who didn't catch it last week, what was your basic yeah. summary? My summary was, essentially, I don't have the agency to say whether Apu is offensive or not because mm-hmm. I'm not of Indian descent. Mm-hmm. But I feel like that The Simpsons have handled this discussion, which is a very worthwhile discussion mm-hmm. because it does tie into racism, mm-hmm. representation... Absolutely important. Mm-hmm. But the Simpsons themselves have handled it badly because yep. they responded to it within the show. They didn't try to get different perspectives or different writers or anything like this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One thing that the documentary did make a point of, which was really interesting, was that essentially Apu, because he is played by a white character, is a contemporary version of blackface. Mm. And I never really thought about it that way. But again, the Simpsons just need to do what they do. But if they're going to start compromising their vision, regardless of what it is, regardless of what we agree or not, Mm. they need to end the show. Mm. 
But it'll be interesting to see how this pans out. If Apu does get written off, can we just like not have him appear again? Yeah. You know what I mean? It's just like, can, we don't need to make a big thing about it. He is a beloved character. I don't have much information mm. and I haven't heard a lot about it. So I feel that my opinion is uh, just as valid, if not more important than anyone else's. <laughs> yeah. So, no. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so that was me trying to be silly. Um, so, basically, I, uh, I I have actually heard quite a bit about this. I've been yeah. looking into it. Uh, I know my partner struggles a little bit because her she she hates the term whitewashing. Yeah, um, but she also knows she sounds racist when she says that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's one of these annoying things because, as far as she's concerned, mm. if the actor's right for the role. Yeah. then they should have the role. It should not come down to anything other than, are you right for the role? I personally don't agree with that 100% because it does come down to certain factors. For example, I hate the fact that, that I forget the name of the movie, but it's always cited as one of the worst cases of whitewashing, the one with the Egyptian gods. And they're all played by, like, middle-aged white men. Oh, that's the one with Christian Bale in it? Yeah, I think so, yeah. yeah. Um, I That sort of thing annoys me because, like, well, you could have easily had plenty of Middle Eastern people playing. Yeah, there's enough you know, talented yeah, Middle Eastern it. people. Even if all. you don't want to sit there and go, oh, well, I don't want to be restricted by Egyptian people only, there's still plenty of... Yeah, and yes, I know that's a form of racism in itself, but end of the day, it's called acting. Yeah. But, and again, you get the same thing with, you know, like Jack Whitehall um, being slammed for playing this openly gay character on in a Disney. Everyone's saying, oh, why couldn't you act for an actual gay guy? But then Stephen Fry turns around and sort of says, yes, I, I felt the burden of playing all these straight characters. All the, <laughs> you know, so to bring it back to this, I know Kirsten sort of sits there and goes, you know, it, it's... Her, her idea is, yes, it's an old character from a different era, mm-hmm. but the characters, the character, the voice actor is doing a acting job. They're not doing a... Whereas my view is, yes, back in the 90s, great. Mm. Because again, it comes back to this idea of representation. Yeah. you Representation always starts off to our eyes as offensive and eventually it evolves the problem is Simpsons hasn't evolved this particular character this is something that I had mentioned last week as well in terms of representation especially if you look at the African American community Mm. in you know the United States and if you look at the queer community again United States you can look Mm. to the UK as well because they've been quite interesting is that uh, these communities are always presented as stereotypes and played by people outside of their own communities. Yep. Then people within the communities play the stereotypes themselves. Mm. They're taking ownership of the stereotype Mm. in terms of, well, if you're going to take the piss out of me and my community, I'm going to do it myself. That makes sense. It's less offensive because I'm taking it on board. This isn't always met with the best um, response Mm. within the communities themselves. Mm. Like, how dare you? You're now making fun of your own people, Mm. if you like. And then... The momentum builds and black community, queer community have their own voices that are strong enough and they make their own programs, their own films. They tell their own stories Mm -hmm. to now say, this is the story. 
this is what we are really like yeah. as human beings. Yep. We are not what the dominant ideology and the people in power yep. say we are. So even with Apu, and this filmmaker is using Apu as a vessel to talk about broader stereotypes. He talks about Peter Sellers as well. Mm-hmm. All of these different things. He's got every right absolutely to have this discussion. It's a worthwhile discussion. Removing Apu will not solve the problem no. because... He's talking about something from his childhood, which was highly offensive and was the source of him being bullied. And I do understand that. We've all had that. Mm. We've all been related to caricatures from Mm. popular Mm. culture. Once you remove Apu from the picture now, Mm. it does not eliminate Apu from the endless consciousness, the the endless reruns, Mm. because let's face it, he's in the golden era. and has some great plot lines there as well. But also, unlike back then, you now have other characters in popular culture and other people that you can look to if you don't like one. Yeah. So I feel like his point is valid. The argument that he's using through Apu is very outdated. Yep, I'd agree with that. Um, my personal belief from, again, just the information I've got, is their smartest, strongest strategy would be to keep Apu, mm. bring on some uh, Indian writers to yeah. and again not just I think someone wrote you know not just as a stereo, as a token yeah. sort of thing but as legitimate writers yeah and then have someone come on board a new voice actor yeah. come on board Indian voice actor slowly if they want to change the voice out yeah do it slowly gradually yeah so that you know obviously if you watch an episode from here. Yeah. Mm. You'd go, oh, that's one voice in an episode down the line. That's another voice. But in the middle, you sort of don't catch you the... Could, or change it over with a new season. The seasons yeah. have changed voices. Yeah, well, that's true In, too, in the yeah. past when actors have, have moved on or mm. they've retired characters. It's, it's a thing. Mm. But as a lot of the tweets I've been reading say, a lot of Indian people are mm. sitting there saying, no, don't get rid of them. It's like sort yeah. of what you've said. It's a comedy show and it's nice to see us there yeah yes it's a stereotype but now's a good time to change the stereotype or change it up but it's also difficult because it's a comedy show it's homer is end of the day a stereotype of the lazy middle class american yes it's yes it's easier to sit there and say oh well yes but that's all right because Da da da. Yes, but end of the day, a Simpsons-style show, mm. for all its brilliance, still relies heavily on common denominators. Look at Chief Wiggum. Yeah, he is the stereotype of the fat Dunkin' Donuts <laughs> copper. Yes, exactly. I mean, and this is the thing. And of course, the counter argument is always like, "Well, that might be fine, but it's okay to stereotype and make fun of people in power." Mm-hmm. Homer represents that. Yeah, he even yeah, says it in an episode yeah, yeah, about yeah. how everyone listens to his yeah, opinion because he's between the ages of the age. oh, yeah, because of his age, because yeah. of his sex, because of his race. Yeah. Um. So that that's easy. And look, I get that. It did actually make me think as well about the evolution of characters and the source of comedy mm-hmm. this is watching a documentary about the british tv series are you being so yep and john inman who's a, a gay actor playing a very stereotypical gay character when the pilot had aired and you know mm-hmm. this the the network is deciding whether to continue on with this or whatever um one of the executives had said, and I'll clean up the language. One of the executives had said after watching it that he absolutely loved the show, but you need to get rid of the gay character. And the creators of the show said, no, no, no. 
he is the show. Mm. And the intention wasn't for him to be the main person of the show, but they could see that the audience, the live audience connected with yep. John Inman's character of Mr. Humphreys. But again, this started because we weren't laughing with him, we were laughing at him. Yeah. He was a parody. Yeah. But it took a gay actor to take that on board and say, you're going to make fun of me, you're going to laugh at me, Yeah, let me show you how. And that's what a lot of... That's how the evolution of a lot of comedy works. Yeah. And I've always said that for me, I've never seen it as just a, yes, you have actual racist and you have actual racist comedy that is intended for harm and degradation. Mm. But I also believe strongly that there's a lot of, I mean, Faulty Towers, funnily enough, is famous for it. Basil Fawlty is racist, he's classist, but we're never laughing at the people he's picking on, we're laughing at him for being out of touch. Yes. And I strongly believe that there was... I'm going to get all of these um, details wrong, and I do apologise, but there was a black comedian in the 20s or 30s who when the 60s and 70s rolled around, was seen as this villain this for the black community, this, you know, mm. oh, you, you sold out to the white uh, uh, filmmakers, etc. But during the 20s and 30s, he was seen as a hero for the black community, even though he was playing these very stereotypical black characters, because he was portrayed next to and equal to a white character. Yeah. Now, in this comedy universe, the white character had fallen from grace, whereas the black character was just the black character. He was he was always at that station. Yes. But they were on the same level, and it was a show that was aimed at white audiences. So people saw this guy as okay, yeah, he's a bumbling idiot, and he's showing the stereotype. But he's getting our faces in front of white people, making them used to us, making it so we're not as scary or as... Yeah. And it's a slow, painful process. But these shows... And I feel like Pooh's done a similar sort of thing early on. Yeah. It put a character that a lot of Americans at the time weren't as used to or only had that fleeting in the, the Quickie Mart mm. moments with, and gave them a bit more of a story, a bit more of a, I'm now used to seeing these people. Absolutely. And that's an interesting perspective, because again, Philip, like, neither you or myself are Indian, so somebody no, course, who is of an of Indian descent would be like, yeah, that sounds nice in theory. That's yeah. not how it worked out. And, and, and that's, that's understandable too. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's something that you can only really look back on reflection. It is, again, about how you represent people it comes down to intention Mm. and i think the questionable thing about apu was how much can we be edgy how much can we offend and look if that's the intention that's the intention but again it's the simpsons job to fix it for themselves especially Mm. now that there is this backlash again great conversation to be having Mm. and we could talk about this for another four hours we could but we better move on yeah so something down your alley yes philip is some gaming news some gaming news um So, first off, Mm. um, Nintendo has uh, finalised the release roster of the 74 fighters in Super Smash Bros. Ultimate. Yay. A notable omission is the purple-clad baddie Waluigi. 
Waluigi, Yay. we miss you already. We miss him already. Um, which is interesting because Nintendo had said mm. that Ultimate was going to have every character that's ever been in it plus more. Wow. And whilst Waluigi... I can never say his name properly. Waluigi. Waluigi has never been a playable character. He's in Mario Kart. Does that matter? No, no, he's in... Sorry, sorry. <laughs> in, in Super Smash Bros. Okay. He's been a playable character. He's always... He's been in like a trophy unlock. Yeah. He's been a... Uh, 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 sort of uh, in the game here, these little things where you, uh, you open them up and they help you out in the battlefield sort of yeah. thing has been one of them. So it is sad that at the moment he's not in there. Yeah. A lot of people feel um, that there's going to be some nasty DLC. Okay. Downloadable content. Right. Um, where... Is this like where you spend extra money yes. to get extra things? Yes. And Nintendo know what they're doing? Yes. Alrighty. Um, it's potentially the thing is, when I say nasty DLC, so in the past DLC was stuff that, okay, you've got this game, you buy it for 80 bucks, and then three years later they release an extra level for it for 20 bucks. Kind of like an upgrade. An upgrade, yeah. yeah. And everyone loves it. Yeah. These days there's DLC which you can get on release. So essentially, it's stuff they've had made. It's in the game now. You just need a little code to unlock it. So you... People essentially are saying, so I'm paying 80 bucks for an unfinished game yeah. and I have to pay an extra 20 to 30 bucks for the extra levels that are already here. Yeah, why not just charge me 130 bucks and give me everything? That's it. Yeah. Well, sort of, yeah. And so that potentially is what they're doing. Which ah, capitalism. That's it. And consumerism. That's it. All right. Um, but gamers can play Super Smash Bros. Un- Ultimate um, exclusively on the Switch December 7. Just in time for Christmas, folks. Yay. And in other news... Yes, PlayStation. Mm. So the PS1 um, uh, HD... Uh, a box yeah. um, has finally had uh, PS1 Classic, sorry, that's what it's actually called, has finally had its 20 games um, announced and people are a little bit angry at it. What are they angry about? Because there are games on it that no one has heard of. Mm-hmm. Um, or at least it's sort of like, sort of like um, what's that... that uh, uh, pro that golf game on The Simpsons. <laughs> <laughs> we all got it for Christmas, Philip. Yeah, that's it. Um, so the twenty games are, and I'll go this super quickly. Yep, go for it. Battle Arena, Arena Toshi, Toshiden, Cool Borders Two, Destruction Derby, Final Fantasy Seven, Grand Theft Auto, Intelligent Cube. Jumping Flash, Metal Gear Solid, Mr. Driller, Oddworld, uh, Abe's Odyssey, Rayman, Resident Evil Director's Cut, Revelations Persona, Ridge Racer Type 4, Super Puzzle Fighter 2 Turbo, Siphon Filter, Tekken 3, Tom Clancy's Rambo 6, Twisted Metal, and Wild Arms. Okay. Now... Two, and this is just um, even from my perspective, because PS1 was never my big thing. I got into PlayStation and PS2. Mm-hmm. But Gran Turismo, uh, Crash Bandicoot, 
and Spyro, so sorry, three, derp, counting, um, Spyro are three major omissions that are not on this list. Okay. So people are annoyed because... Intelligent Cube, Battle Arena Toshiden, Cool Borders, all games which did not sell particularly well back in the day. So essentially... So essentially... And, and that's just those. Mr. Driller, Oddworld, there's about five games that are actually on their platinum list. Okay. And these games are shithouse? Yes. Okay. And that's the thing. There's a good five names which are on the platinum list, which are the good games. So that's your Final Fantasy V, Grand Theft Auto. Exactly. People uh, like Rayman. me have actually heard of them. That's Who, it. Who's not a gamer has that's actually it. heard of them. Yeah. That's it. There's maybe another five that are on the classics list. Mm-hmm. So would would again you'd still sort of sit and say, okay, that's all right being there. Tekken three, um, your, your Ridge Racer. Yeah. Um, and then the rest, the other ten, are games that did not sell well. Okay. And there is zero reason they should be on there. Is this something that a gamer will buy or just say, no, can't be bothered? This is the this is the uh, interesting thing because the NES and the Super NES mm-hmm. uh, HDMI ma- remakes, they not only had a lot more games on it, but they had a lot more pulling power names on it. Right. So games that people knew, your, your Legend of Zelda, your, your uh, uh, Mike Tyson's Knockout, yeah. your... Yeah, Mario. Yeah. So will this I package so. sell? I really don't think so. There's two big problems. One, it does not have the names to drive and pull. Mm. Secondly, the Nintendo games are now a bit rarer. Yeah. It's harder to get your hand on those uh, the Super NES and NES games. Right. Every man and their dog still has their PS1 or PS2 floating around with all the games, yeah. all their favourite classic games. So there's no incentive. There's no incentive for the nostalgia market. Yeah. And the new market, the you know kids that grew up without it and after that and all that, I really don't think these particular games are going to draw them in. Okay. If they'd had some more of the, the your Spyro, your Crash Bandicoot, your this, your that, then I think it would have had enough to draw in the younger market. Yes, and you could afford to probably charge a bit more too. Exactly. Yeah. Whereas now, they've really just dropped the ball. I I personally think, and a lot of other critics are saying, yeah, they've dropped the ball and it's not going to be worth the, 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 the payment. Yeah, well, Phil, you're the gaming expert in the Fred Shed, so I'm going to take your word for it. <laughs> but how about we roll on up? Rolling up to the trailer park where we all park all the trailers. Yeehaw. Beep, beep. <laughs> Here we are. We've arrived hey. at the trailer park. So we looked at three trailers yes. just before. Let's start off with a Christmas movie. Ah, uh, yes. An original Christmas movie from Netflix called The Christmas Chronicles. Yes. So, Phil, your thoughts. I really enjoyed this trailer. It's reminded me very much of, um, you know, the first and second uh, Santa Claus. Yeah, with Tim Allen. Tim Allen. Yeah. It's got that wholesome um, feel to it. Um, I feel in the last few years, remembering that, you know, childhood uh, Christmas movies aren't aimed at my demographic, but... Oh, well, they're aimed at everyone, I think, to be uh, honest. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But um, I feel the last while now... We've been getting a lot of, you know, uh, 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 bad mums, 
yeah. uh, Christmas or, or and there was know, bad, bad Santa, bad Santa, yeah. Um, things things that are more you know uh, uh, Christmas Christmas with the cranks, cranks here, yeah, Christmas cranks, things that are more that sort of Christmas in reality, and it's dirty and gritty, and it's not really Christmas. Mm. It's it's what everyone hates about Christmas. Oh, isn't this relatable? And we've lost a lot of the magic in the Christmas movies, I feel. Yeah. I was uh, going to say the exact same thing. This one comes across as really magical. Yeah. There's nothing really original about this concept at all in the Christmas Chronicles. I do not care. No, that's you it. know, when you go to see a Christmas movie, you want that, you know, you, you want the tension mm. and then the, the happiness. You want that magic that's in there, the wholesomeness. Because, gosh, don't we just deserve a day of it? No, that's <laughs> you it, know? exactly. That's um, it. This looks really beautiful. And I feel like that even by the name, it will be the first of a number mm. of films. Uh, Kurt Russell looks fantastic oh, as Santa, so doesn't he? Yeah, so good. It looks great. It's, yeah, it just, there's one, it's told through the eyes of, you know, children. Yes. So this lovely innocence that we all had. Some of us are trying to cling on to it <laughs> around Christmas time. And it looks beautiful. I, I love agree with that you. It's, I love that it looks like it's playing with traditional Christmas views and imagery. Yes. And because, again, you look at something like Arthur Christmas. It's yeah. an animated bit, I think done by the same mob who did um, uh, Wallace and Gromit. Okay. I think. Um, anyway, it, it's 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 beautiful. It's got a charm to it, and mm. it's it's got its own sort of magic. But the whole shtick is that Santa's got is all modern, and it's got this flaming huge spaceship almost, yeah. and and it's this struggle between the new tech and the old tech, and mm. the it just, to me, that whole concept, while nice and fun, mm. it, it, again, it ruins that that tr- pure, wholesome magic of, hey, Santa's doing his thing, he's yeah. gotten caught, oh, well, are we going to save Christmas? And it's, it's gorgeous. Yeah. Um, but I agree. I think, yeah, with the Christmas Chronicles, yeah, look, it's set contemporarily, but even just the idea of let's set up a video camera to see if we can see Santa, yeah. you know, and you know, you've got the cynical older sibling, the younger one who believes this is nothing new. Yeah, that's it. But it's okay because there's just a wholesomeness to it. That's it. I'm really looking forward to this film. I I hope it's good. Like, I really hope it's as good as it looks. It's got this bit of heart. It's got this Mm humour. They're going to maybe have some little edgy moments there to keep it contemporary. But there's just something really lovely about it. Yeah. Um, And it looks looks beautiful. It's out on the 22nd of November, so not too far away. But I think I might save this one closer to the actual big day to watch it. I think so too, yeah. Yeah, we saw another film, if we want to talk about, you know, tropes and so forth, f- things that we're familiar with, mm-hmm. it was a comedy called Isn't It Romantic? <laughs> with the incredible Rebel, Rebel Wilson. Wilson. Phil, thoughts? So, I'm actually not a huge Rebel Wilson fan. Mm. Uh, it's not that I don't like her, I just think she plays the... She's played the same sort of character quite a few times yeah. now, and... and Especially, you know, we, we I grew up watching her doing comedy stand-up yeah. and stuff. It's the same character, just sort of wedged into different things. Yeah. This, to me, though, unlike your Pitch Perfect and stuff like that, this, to me, feels like Rebel Wilson's movie. Yeah. It's... I can get... I haven't seen a lot of her other stuff, so maybe I'm sort of... But to me, this is the first time I watched something and went, okay, this is Rebel Wilson in Rebel Wilson's element. Yeah, it's a vehicle for Rebel. That's yeah. it. 
and I think the premise is amazing. Um, it's got a bit of a Groundhog Day feel. It's got yeah. a bit of a um, oh, there's there's a few. There's actually another movie which did something very similar because again, as you say, tropes. Yeah, and um, there is actually literally another movie, but I can't think of the name of it off the top of my head that did this essential thing. Yeah, do you know um, what I like about it? When it first started, it, even though I absolutely love Rebel, when it all first started, I just thought, oh, okay, I know where this is going. Here we go. Yeah. And then it, you know, does a, a bit of a 180 and it says, no, she's stuck in her own romantic yeah, comedy. It. And I'm like, all right, that's kind of cool. That's almost yeah. like a Freaky Friday thing. Flips it again. She is completely aware of it. Yeah. And almost rebelling against, against it. it. That's and it. then like, oh, here are the perks. And it's so much like a movie. Like, you know, she's got that really spunky guy. Yeah. But obviously in PG romantic comedies, you don't show things. That's she's it. not having any of that. No, that's it. That's it. <laughs> I really, I think this one's going to be really fun. Yeah, it seemed like a lot yeah. of fun. It's it surprised me with the way yeah, the direction's certainly. gone, but I think it's going to be uh, good. Yeah, I expected it to be a when when she had so in the trailer she has this accident. Yes, I was actually thinking it was going to go down shallow hell round. Mm-hmm, yeah, and I went, oh god, we've just had one of these mm-hmm. with isn't she? Uh, I'm no good with names today. There was one that came out just recently, which okay. was this large girl. She has a accident, and then she thinks she's oh, okay. super hot. Yeah, and you know, oh, everyone else thinks she's fat, but she thinks she's hot. So she has um Amy Schneider. Schneider Amy. Okay, yeah. Um, and I thought it was going to do that, but as you say, it, it doesn't. It goes down this other sort yeah. of alternate universe world and it's like oh that's actually pretty cool yeah it looks like fun I yeah. think it'll be fun so that's out on Valentine's Day next year oh, of course uh, in the US and South Africa same yeah. date but we don't have a date for it for Australia yet so it'll probably South be South Africa does South Africa does yeah so we'll be uh, looking out for that one I'm pretty sure it won't be too far off because that's a perfect time to be releasing yeah, of course. a film like that and I liked it more than I thought I would because the fact that the title doesn't have a question mark really annoyed me I'm nah. forgiving it though we have one more trailer to talk about Will Smith in mm. Spies in Disguise mm. what are your thoughts on this one? I kind of when I first saw, when this trailer first started I actually kind of my thought was oh I wonder if this is set in um, the Incredibles universe. <laughs> um, I don't know about this one. Like again, it looks fun. It looks, but the 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 premise seems almost weak. It's like an it's it's a body shifting uh, yeah. uh, sh- movie. Another body shifting movie. Which again, I know it's all good to do things, but it really feels like it's just going to hit every body shifting trope. What it does is when it started out, I thought, oh yeah, cool. We've got a black James Bond. Yeah, you know, that's yeah, really yeah. cool to say. Yeah. And then again, it sort of flipped it with this, you're right, body sh- shifting yeah. and shaping thing, where he's now a, a pigeon. pigeon. And it's, so the trailer sets this up. We've got a really cool super spy. He's, who's now a pigeon. And the idea is that that's going to be advantageous for his spying. Mm. So I feel like it's top, it's shown us the first maybe 10, 15 minutes of the film, but I don't know what the film is about now. Yeah, that's it. Which is fine. And there's and, nothing to set that twist up at all, yeah. even for a show. Well, it's, a honest, it's like, who is this kid? Where did he come from? That's it, that's it. <laughs> you know. And to be honest, I when that happened, I went from, ooh, this is intriguing to, ah. Oh. Yeah, no. Yeah, I would have actually preferred if he stayed in his human yeah, form. Yeah, I'd like to see. I'd like to but see what? a, 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 a animated, a kid's James Bond. Yeah. With 
essentially think um, uh, Despicable Me, yeah. just on the hero's side. Yeah. I'd love to see that. Yeah, so, I mean, look, probably trashing this trailer a bit too much because it feels more like a teaser than anything. Mm. It sets up the premise, so it'll be trailer two, I think, that will tell us more. Yeah. Admittedly, this trailer doesn't really want me to know more. Yeah, so I prefer trailers that don't show a lot, yeah. where they need to show enough. And showing me that he's going to be a pigeon <laughs> isn't enough for me. Maybe for kids, that's the target audience. But no, I mean, I think you can already tell that Will Smith is going to have a lot of fun yeah. with this character. And I'm someone who can take or leave Will Smith. I like him in some things, not everything. But I feel like that this is going to be a role he's going to have fun with. Yeah. And I think he's going to do well with it. We'll see if the film can hold up beyond that element. There's no doubt that Will Smith is going to be great in it, but... The film needs to be more than just relying on his talents. Yes. We're going to have a while to find that one out. It's out on the 13th of September in the US and the UK. Still no release date in Australia. But funnily enough, it's released on the 24th of January in Argentina. So we'll see how Ah. the Argentinians uh, see the film. That's a big testing period there. Yeah. Yeah. So we've talked trailers. (laughs) How about a bit of a quickie? Quickie review. So, during the week, my partner and I went and saw Beautiful Boy. Um, It is the true story, or based on the true story, of uh, Nick and David Sheff. Okay. Um, So, David is... Sorry, Nick Sheff is a uh, teenager, young adult, who um, succumbs to the... Uh, problems of drugs, mm-hmm. um, hard major drugs, and David Chef, uh, Karen Barbour, and Daisy, no, sorry, Vicky Chef, um, who are his parents. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, David having had a, um, a, a broken up relate- a marriage. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, uh, have to come to Nick's rescue. Right. And it's based on the uh, books by David Chef and Nick Chef, two separate books. Okay. Um, and yeah, essentially, they've got to come to his rescue, and it's about the constant uh, 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 healing and relapse, the constant into. Uh, therapy, the the constant falling, and how someone's drug addiction can ruin entire families and lives, just tearing people apart. So cheerful stuff. Very cheerful. Yeah. It was heavy. Yeah. Oh, so heavy. Made me question a lot of stuff. So great. Um, the cast. Um, you have Steve Carell mm-hmm. uh, playing David Chef. Timothy Clement, Chalament, um, as Nick Chef. Yeah. Um, Maura Tierney, Tierney, sorry, as Karen Babala, who's um, uh, David Chef's new wife. Okay. Um, and Amy Ryan as Vicky Chef, the ex-wife. Okay. Um, so, yeah, so very heavy film. Yeah. Um, I feel... Feel, because it's been written through the books and experiences of people who have gone through this. Yeah, they've lived it. They've lived it, and that was sort of late 90s, early noughties. Yeah. 
it does have a very late 90s, early noughties feel to the whole movie. Right. Even the storyline to me feels like something out of the, you know, prop, war on gr- drugs propaganda. Okay. Um, but that's not a bad thing. Obviously, this is their experience. Yeah, exactly. Sort of um, so it feels like the period it's set in. That's it. Yeah, okay. very much so. It's one of these things that for me, it was, you know, if, if I had some cop sitting there at school giving me this lecture, I'd be sitting there going, oh, for crying out loud. <laughs> like, the war on drugs didn't work and yeah. marijuana is not a gateway drug. And but coming from their actual experience, you can't sit there and go, oh, well, this is not true, is it? You go, oh, shit, that's heavy. Yeah, well, this is their perspective. That's yeah. it, that's it, exactly. Yeah. So would you recommend this film, Phil? Um, I definitely would recommend it, but don't go in thinking that it's... Go in ready for views to be challenged. And okay, great. For example, um, as a minor spoiler, so spoilers ahead, mm-hmm. you're gone good. Um, there are, there's a point where um, the father essentially gives up. Yeah. And that really hit me hard because I was always brought up, my parents have always said, no matter how bad things get, yeah. no matter what happens, they will be there for me. Yeah. And I've always believed that. And it got me thinking, because my partner turned around after we discussed it later, and she was saying, yeah, well, there's got to be a point at which you, you 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 can't do it anymore. You know, it's obviously every time the kid comes back home, he ruins the household, and there's other smaller kids in the yeah. house. There's only so much you can do. Only hey. so much you can do. But that really doesn't sit well with me, because as far as I'm concerned, if... Your own parents give up on you. Yeah. How are you expected not to give up on you? Yeah. I think what it is, and it sounds like the complexity there is, I, as a parent, have a love and duty and care towards you, my son, Mm. but I also have a love and duty and care to your brothers and sisters. That's it. Do you compromise a whole family unit for one who mm. is not responding to your help. Yeah. And it's almost like a bit of tough love. And you're right. That's a, conf- that's something that's, that's confronting. Confronting. Yeah. It's conflicting. It's mm. complex. And this is why parenting is the hardest yeah, job in it. the world. Exactly. Because yes, parents theoretically love all their children equally. Bullshit. You mm-hmm. can't. It is no, impossible. It. It. I think it changes every day. It changes with scenarios. No, it's definitely. Because you know, kids by design and you and I are both children of people. <laughs> that's it, that's it. You know, we're brought into this world <laughs> yeah. to mess things up, <laughs> yeah, to it. disappoint, to make people feel proud, to that's make people it. feel loved, to all of these different things. So I think anything that talks mm. about family dynamics sounds really interesting. Yeah, no, sir. And one other thing it really pushed was, and I think this to me was what Nick Chef, the th- David Chef, sorry, the father, yeah. I think. I, I feel this would have come from him strongly. Mm. The lack of support. Yes. Again, spoilers, uh, very minor, but there's a, the scene where the he, the kid's going to rehab for the first time. Mm. And this person at rehab, the, the, the lady at the desk, sort of say, throwing all these numbers, and it's like, um, you know, okay, the best check case scenario... 80%. Mm. Worst case scenario, 25%. Yeah. Now, they're not bad numbers. Yeah. Later in the movie, he goes to an expert um, under the guise, because uh, uh, 
David's a journalist, so he goes yeah. under the guise of a journalist and then just sort of says, look, here's the deal. Um, I need to find out more information about my son for my son. Help, help, help to the specialist. Yeah. And the specialist turns around and says, look, off the record, I don't know what numbers these people are giving you, but the numbers are in single digits. Yeah, in terms and, of a success rate. In success rate, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's the sad reality that for a lot of mental health, uh, uh, drug abuse, all that sort of stuff, the help is just not out there. People want to sweep it under the rug. There's no quick fix. There's no quick fix. And the problem is, is that when you have somebody who has an addictive personality or is a part of addiction, it's not necessarily about the drug. Mm. Yes, it is an addictive substance. Mm. You know, we all have our vices. And there is that moment of feeling good. Mm. All of these things, it's ticking boxes. Mm. But you only go to tick those boxes because it's not being fulfilled elsewhere in your life. Someone, I saw on TV once somebody was saying, like, well, we give people in hospital who are in extreme pain high doses of addictive drugs. Yeah. You know. They then don't go on after leaving hospital seeking these drugs. Mm. Why? Because everything else, it appears, is fine in their yeah. life. They're not seeking it. They feel loved. They feel accepted. They're contri- they're mm. contributing to society. It touches upon a really um, broader problem, and uh, you at least it seems feel feel like it had something for you. Like it was at least putting you in that conversation. Mm. Yeah. Mm. So, yeah, it sounds familiar to a film. I know from my perspective, so again, those who listen know that I do suffer a bit from uh, mental health problems. And it was interesting because I actually had myself in those shoes because whilst I don't have a drug problem, I found myself going, my folks must be fighting even harder than this poor guy. Because at least for this guy, he's got a point at which he can say, okay, you know what? You've done this to yourself. Mm. I can't help you anymore. Yeah. With mental health problems, with depression, you can't do that because there is no point. I've not done this to myself. Yeah, yeah. There's no point at which I can say, I'll just stop doing the thing. Yeah. It's part of a wiring, a a chemical issue, a, a brain problem. And so long as I'm constantly seeking out help. Mm there's no point at which anyone can turn around and say, oh, well, he's not doing enough. Yeah, exactly. So I actually found myself going, shit, my folks must, in my worst times, yeah, must be absolutely distraught because they can't even turn around and say, oh, well, let's just give up on him because, yeah. as it were, as it came to with this. Yeah. Sort of thing. And well, sometimes even a giving up, if you will, and this is me giving an opinion without having seen it in the context of this film, mm. is that bit of tough love the yeah giving, no, that's it the, yes, give, yes. the giving up is by leaving you to do this yourself i am giving you the greatest gift ever yeah that's because it, yeah, you yeah. have to help you have to do this yeah, yeah. so out of five stars phil i'd give it definitely a four stars yeah um with the proviso you don't go in uh while you're uh emotionally <laughs> trained. yeah go in go in with a strong constitution <laughs> well it sounds really interesting phil uh, talking about movies, yes. it's time is it? for a movie question. It's time. What time is it? You can hear it. It's blowing in the wind. <laughs> oh, God, God, God. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Ken's, uh, 
Kendall, if you're listening, I just want you to know, Phil was very kind to my ears, so he's obviously a lot meaner to you. (laughs) (laughs) So this week we asked, which horror movie would you show someone to introduce them to the genre? So we've just had Halloween pass us by. Philip, you don't like horror movies. I can't stand horror movies. Our co-host, Fulia, cannot stand horror movies. <laughs> and when I thought of this question, I was looking at her directly. And she's like, nope, don't want to know. <laughs> it's probably the first popcorn culture question that Fulia hasn't contributed to. <laughs> um, so, as somebody who does not like horror movies, what are your gut reactions? Okay, so... Do you even want to be introduced yeah, to the no, genre? Yeah, no, no, no. Well, this is the thing. Look, I, I have no interest in... I've been introduced to horror movies. I've seen yeah. a handful, and that's why I know I don't like them. <laughs> um, I remember I hated Eight-Legged Freaks, which for a lot of people is very tame, very... Yeah, it's a comedy. Uh, yeah, it's a comedy. Uh, not for me. <laughs> no. Um, I remember one time I was at someone's place, and we started watching Wolf Creek. Oh, and yeah. I'd had... <laughs> it's not a good film to start uh, with. No. Um... <laughs> To be fair, it wasn't a, a starter one, but I, I'd f- actually fallen asleep halfway through just because I'd had a huge day. Yeah, um, I'd gotten back to their place, um, had a uh, had a drink or something, and just sort of passed out on their couch. Yeah, and it was really nice and all. I wake up to him. Uh, ripping, I think, a spine out of the the scene where he's it's the. Um, you see, now I, I rip your spine out. Now that's all you are, head on a stick, <laughs> or whatever it is. You know, I, I, I wake up to that with a screaming, and I freaked out because I'm in groggy sleep mode. Absolutely. Oh, is this real? Is this film? Where am I? <laughs> Who are you? Hi, yeah. Mick Taylor. <laughs> <laughs> um, like I like the parody of that character. Though, that <laughs> yeah. Um, well, he's played with humour. Mm, he mm. is. He's played with humor. Having not seen it. Uh, yeah. And also, as a child of the 90s, um, having watched Better Homes and Gardens. With Jeff Jarrett. And, and then yeah. having him play that. Yeah. Like, ah! It's like um, listening to Noni Hazelhurst what, read Go the Fuck to Sleep. It's amazing. Yeah. Well, <laughs> just on the side note of that, I also grew up with Noni Hazelhurst on Play School. And she was like my favourite presenter on Play School because she was so funny. Yep. Really yep. good. I, as an adult, saw her in a film called Monkey Grip. Ah, yeah. Yes, and she has a nude scene in that. Ooh. Very confronting. I can imagine, I'm like, yeah. No. Like, oh, I don't need that. You're my childhood. It's my childhood. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, you know, it's like watching a relative. You're like, no. There was a guy on, used to be in play school. I think it's George. I think his name yeah, was. Yeah, George. Um, gray, older man, gray hair. Oh, that's John. John, John, yeah. John. Oh, hilarious. And he looked the spitting image of Grandpa. Oh. And the problem was my grandpa was a rather grumpy old so-and-so, <laughs> uh, as old people can be, and yeah. grandparents can be, but he was a grumpy old so-and-so. And I was devastated because I could not figure out why grandpa was so grumpy and mean to Bethany and I, <laughs> and such a lovely person on this TV show. That is so funny. And side note, if you want to see John from Play School in his finest element, yeah. YouTube search him improvising a story using pots and pans. Oh, beautiful. <laughs> this is why the 80s and 90s was the best time for children's yeah. television. Yeah. Because you could have a genius like John improvise a story. See how many dirty jokes he gets in? That's funny. <laughs> I love it. 
<laughs> and was this on Play School or on Play School? <gasps> legitimate episode. Oh, wow. <laughs> That's funny. I like yeah. that. John is just absolutely amazing. And John and Noni actually were my favorite hosts. And yeah. I even remember as a child, little Wayne was saying that when Noni and John were in an episode together, mm. you knew it was going to be a brilliant episode. Oh, I can yeah. see you doing that. Being yeah. Like, this, 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 guys, this is it. <laughs> it did not happen enough, which was great. But I remember <laughs> I would always be excited when it was either Noni or John. Yeah. And then this one episode came and they were in it together. <laughs> and my Christmases had come at once. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, but anyway, um, but yeah, yeah. So that was your Wolf Creek story. Terms, yeah. <laughs> but in terms of movies, so again, because I don't really like a lot of them, mm. I the few that I like are the psychological horrors. Yeah. Um. The uh, obviously the one that comes to mind, which I actually think is brilliant, is um, Silence of the Lambs. Yep. Absolutely amazing psychological horror. Yeah. Um, you don't need to see a lot of the jump scares. You don't no. need to see the grotesque. There's a bit in there, but yeah. it's not what drives it. Yeah. It's the detective. It's the Which, again, is why I love Batman so much. Yeah. Especially the animated series where most of it is the detective series. The, yeah. The, the trying to figure stuff out before the bad guys finish the plot. Throw that into a horror scene and I'm... Hooked, I love yeah. that. Um, but then when I say, uh, oh, I love psychological, oh, so you love Saw then? <laughs> no, because the grotesque and the, the, I hate the idea of, I couldn't even watch that um, uh, 13 hours or 100 and something hours, whatever, that one where that guy, rock climber, had to cut his leg off. Oh, to, 127 hours? That's him. Yeah. Um, I couldn't even do with that because the idea of having to do that to yourself yeah. to survive or not. So you like. wouldn't watch the film and then just look away when the scene was happening? No. Okay. No, I couldn't. See, that's interesting. And it's interesting that you do say about psychological uh, films because then you can go, okay, well, these are some psychological thrillers, horrors, mm. you know, and probably look more to the thriller side of things. Yes. But it starts to cross over and it eases you into it. Mm. So I imagine you'd be a big fan of maybe... Hitchcock films. Yes. Those types yep. of horrors and thrillers. One that does come to mind mm. is Cabin in the Woods. Yes. Because whilst, again, that's got a little bit of gore and stuff, it really is that playing with the psychology and it's really smart. Because it is it, a clever film, isn't it's it? very yeah. clever. Because, again, it, it's not straight up horror. No. Because you're actually shown the bad guy. The, yeah. People say the best villain is the one you never see. Well... These are shown the villains and they're just guys in ties watching a video screen and it's insane. And it makes it, you know, there's this bit more of reality, I yeah. guess. It makes it believable, which to some degree you could say it is even scarier. scarier. That's yeah, it. because That's it, it is about these people in power. Um, so My go-to to give someone a okay, very first horror would actually be something like Silence of the Lambs or Cabin in the Woods. Yeah. Because it's not so confronting that it would turn you off completely but it definitely give you a taste of the the genre and then see whether they were into it or not and i think genre is the key element when you're introducing mm. or subgenre really yes if you're introducing yes. somebody to horror so you'd go okay what type of stories do you like so with horror films you've got your monster movies mm. you've got man versus beast you know, the sort of mm, in the mm. wild and nature movies. You've got slashers, which are my favorite style of genre. You've got the psychological one. You've got supernatural mm. ones. You've got possession. Mm. Um, you've got all of these different creature features and different horror movies. 
that you could really go anywhere with the genre. It's yeah, so broad. Certainly. Yeah, there's actually one which another one that kind of comes to mind, but I think is a bit cheatsy doodle for this. Yeah, question. It's done by uh, the South Park guys. Yep. It's called Cannibal the Musical. Yes, I have seen it. Yes, and yes. it technically is a comedy horror. Yeah. Um, I mean, if you want to go that that path, then you've also got. Um, uh, Shaun of the Dead. Yes. Exact stuff. But again, I don't feel that they would... If you really wanted to introduce someone to actual horror, yeah. they don't really classify because they are, the comedy elements are the driving strong. So it's points. a comedy with horror in it. That's it. Yeah. Which, if you want to introduce someone to, hey, let's watch a horror movie, or let's hey, you, I don't really watch horror, okay, do you want to see? Then I feel they're almost too... Because they're parodying the horror things, they're too removed, too far removed. I think if it's somebody who, perhaps such as yourself, that maybe turns away easily, and Fulia, our co-host, turns away even more so, Mm. does not even like the idea of thrillers, Mm. won't even go Mm. that far. Mm. Uh, Comedy horror is always a good entrance into it. I think it's a good entrance, but it's not enough to... Like I, I love Shaun of the Dead. Yeah. I think uh, Cannibal the Musical is hilarious, but it's not enough for me to be desensitized enough to the horror genre. It is a I, stepping stone. I, I, I disagree. I do not think because it's too far removed from it that for me it's not horror enough for the horror fans. Yeah, but too comedy for me to be like, oh, this is horror. Yeah. Well, when I was thinking about how would I respond to this, I would, again, go through either find out the genre that the person might be interested in. Mm-hmm. So, for example, Philip, you said you like the psychological ones. You mm-hmm. go, cool, you've seen Silence of the Lambs, great film. You've seen Hitchcock movies, mm-hmm. really strong films. So maybe you'd watch The Shining because Kubrick yeah, is brilliant I, I and beautiful. That, yeah. um, if you do like that sort of psychological element you like hitchcockian films maybe now let's introduce some supernatural elements Mm -hmm. what lies beneath so you can build on on these films i Mm -hmm. think but also i think the best way to introduce anyone to horror really is to go through the history of cinema ah yes start with the monster movies i'm gonna say of course you've gone down that path yeah but I love that idea. Yeah. yeah, I think go back because the horror will not be confronting because we're mm. desensitized generally, regardless of mm. what genre mm. you're into. You won't see a lot of blood. Yeah. Um, even if you want to go into it as a bit of fun when you get into like the 60s and 70s, the B-grade schlock from the Hammer films from the UK. So that's where a lot of, you know, Dracula films and all of these things, Curse of the Mummy, all of these wonderful things, you know, it will get you involved without being too confronting. And you slowly desensitize that way. Mm. That's if you want to be. I myself am somebody who can't watch every single horror movie that's ever made. I still sway away from the overly grotesque and graphic. It doesn't quite satisfy in me what I want from a horror movie. Yeah, yeah. I like the seat jumpers. I like the scares. Yeah, I like yeah, the yeah. anticipation. I don't need to see everything. Yeah. So as we go into other people's responses to this mm. question, I'll be putting in a bit more here and there. But yeah, Phil, you had something else. Yeah, um, I've just been reminded of... um, Because again, we're talking about introducing. Yeah. So I was introduced to a horror movie and it was such a bad experience all around. Mm. Now again, can't remember the name, but I know... I'm 90% sure you know the name because I think I've told this story to you and you filled the name in for me last time. So 
I was out, I was with a friend, it's a friend of ours actually, Yeah. and she was introducing me to, I was out at one of her um, uh, Halloween parties or something like that. Okay. And she was trying to introduce me to one of her friends mm-hmm. and trying to hook me up, play, you know, right. uh, play uh, matchmaker mm-hmm. and all that. And then we go out to watch this horror movie in a lounge room, whatever. And I, I sort of said to her, Look, I'm not really a horror movie person. She said, oh, no, it's all right. You, you, you guys will love this one. Yeah. The movie is an Australian movie. Mm-hmm. It's based around this unpopular girl mm-hmm. who wants to go to prom or Deb or something like that. Um, gets rejected, and so she kidnaps her, um, her, her, her person that she'd asked. That she's kind of obsessed with this really yes. spunky boy. Yeah. Yes, and yeah, the ties movie, him to a chair. Yeah, the movie you're thinking about is called The Loved Ones. That's it. I'm pretty sure that's it. Yeah, yeah. and I have to say, it's not a film I enjoyed. Oh, it was. All. It was. Freaky to the point that I've actually told uh, Kirsten all about it, mm. this, this experience, and now she quotes the movie to, <laughs> to freak me out. Yeah, it's just this. Oh, it's this shocking. If you've not seen it, it's this shocking thing. It's all about that sort of sore esque sort of yeah. thing. Um, you know, one scene she's going to cut his dick off because he needs to go to the loo, and that's her insane um, idea of well, this will fix it if you don't have a dick than you mm-hmm. it's just oh the whole it, yeah, but there's a psychological element to it because you've got somebody who is quite deranged mm. the film also has elements of humour in mm. it as well mm. not a lot or perhaps no. it's not as effective but yeah it's an interesting one that you've said you know oh that one you've kind of enjoyed or have you not enjoyed no, you did not enjoy I did not en- yeah I enjoyed it in the, the yeah you say there's some I enjoyed it for the art piece it was I enjoyed the the, the framing was gorgeous mm-hmm. and I think the storytelling was good yeah I didn't enjoy the horror horror bits I didn't enjoy the fact that they killed off so I hate uh, good guys being killed off yeah I hate good guys uh, characters being killed off. Doctor Who does it all the time, and it pisses me off. It is essentially uh, in horror films, though. Yeah, that's it. You've that's got it. you've got the people who are sacrificed. That's Disaster it. movies. Yep, no, exactly. And and that always bugs me, but that's just my personality. Um, the 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 there was just so much about it that was confronting to me. Meanwhile, I'm on this pseudo date. <laughs> <laughs> Did not go well. Yeah, because <laughs> she could have tied you to a chair afterwards. <laughs> no, 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 yeah, exactly, exactly. I was actually thinking about a film in terms of ones that I know there is a scene that in terms of horror isn't blood and guts or anything like that, no gore, but I know that I think would be the most confronting and disturbing scene you will ever see, Phil. Yeah. Because it relates to your fear of needles. Oh, yeah. Oh, that was in um, Good Boy. Of course, we're being... Yeah, right. Beautiful, beautiful Boy. Beautiful Boy. Good yeah. boy. Uh, beautiful Boy. Um, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. There's all a, the drugs and stuff. Sorry, yeah. Go on. Yeah. Well, there, there's a scene in Saw 2 <laughs> where, um, where a woman uh, falls or is pushed into a bathtub of syringes and is tossing no. and turning. No. And um, I jump at it, but I love it as a, as a scare. But when we ask you beautiful humans what horror movie you would show someone to introduce them to the genre, you replied. In a horrific so, way. And yes. And so Phil, I'll give you some context to these responses. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So David Torpy said that he would 
show one of his favorite films, which was the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I know a little bit about that one. Yeah. The guy wears a mask. Yep. So most of them face. do. Yeah. So the villain is called Leatherface. Yep. And it is all about uh, killing people using their bones and flesh ah. and so forth. So this one was made in the 70s. And on a very low budget, but became a huge success and has got a cult following now. Is it? Is that one? Because I know a handful are, but was that one of the ones that was low-key set based on a true story or something? Yes. So it was inspired by the story of Ed Gein, mm. and his story was also the inspiration for Psycho. Ah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So he's a famous sort of um, serial killer, yeah, um, for for doing that, and I think um, you know grave robbing and, and so forth. But Texas Chainsaw Massacre is a really, it's an interesting film. Again, it is low budget. It's a bit crude, mm-hmm. and it's graphic. Some people find the style of horror quite humorous. Mm-hmm. I don't. I find it quite confronting mm. and it does its job really well mm. yeah it's a it's a it's a scary movie um i would not introduce somebody to the horror genre through them but it is important because it influenced other films that would follow it um so significantly it influenced the hills have eyes you can tell by the style and by some of the techniques mm. uh, for example so yeah so that was Tate david's choice it is one though that if you're a horror film buff you have seen it you have probably overanalyzed it. You have enjoyed it. Uh, for me, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre's sequels are pretty horrendous. Part two, Leatherface Falls in Love. They tend to go through parody. Uh, I have no time for it whatsoever. Yeah, yeah. This is one where the remakes are actually really good. Oh, cool. I feel anyway, yeah, yeah, yeah. especially the first remake. <coughs> Awesome. is is quite good and I find quite creepy and uncomfortable. Yeah. In fact, the remake of the Texas Chainsaw Ma- Massacre, which, you know, came at a time when horror movies were coming back into vogue, yep. if you will, in terms of, you know, let's hit this market. So the remake in 2003, I think it was, mm-hmm. was, I thought, really good. It's stylish. It's, you know, you can feel the Texan heat, all of this type yeah, of stuff. Yeah. It's also a film that Margaret Pomeranz from the movie show walked out of. Oh. Said she had that moment <coughs> where she said, uh, what am I doing watching this? And she oh, actually wow. walked out of it. Yeah. And I think it's the only or one of the only films she's ever walked out of. Wow. So, yeah. So, a bit of a disagreement between horror f- film fanatics and Margaret Pomeranz. Yeah. yeah. So, Phil, what other um, suggestions um, are there? Well, we have our very own Bethany Griffiths mm-hmm. says any of the old B-grade remakes of Dracula, Underworld, Freddy vs. Jason. Yeah, again, if you're going to introduce, I think, the B-grade movies from the 70s, 60s, 70s, I don't know if she's going that far back because mm-hmm. Dracula's on screen so much and there's a lot of yeah, B-grade yeah. remakes, but I'd go back to the 60s, go back to the 70s, mm-hmm. go for it. That's where you want Mm -hmm. you know Christopher Lee as Dracula start off there because again scary but tame as well Um, Underworld not a huge fan of it myself and Freddy vs. Jason brings two horror icons as well so you've got Freddy Krueger from Nightmare on Elm Street Jason Voorhees who's my boy from Friday the 13th coming together battling it out that in itself once you get the gloss factor over isn't a great film Mm. but it's fun yeah you know if if you like the the two slasher icons it's it's a fun movie it's 
exists. Yeah, in the in one of the newer um, adaptations of uh, Mortal Kombat, mm-hmm. you actually get to play as uh, Freddy Krueger. I think it's if you've got the Xbox okay. sixty version. Yeah. Um, they so missed a trick. Yeah, they should have, and every fan says this. Had Jason as a playable character as well. Yeah. The ultimate showdown on your Xbox. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. So, I don't know. What are you thinking, Phil? B-grade films? Would you yeah, go Freddy well, versus Jason? I, I wouldn't go Freddy versus Jason for the simple fact that for me, yeah. I'd have to watch all of the Nightmares on Elm Street mm. and then all of the Jason movies. Now, I've seen, I think, the first... Uh, Nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah. Um, is that the one where um, Johnny Depp gets... Yes. Yes. So I saw that one and I did not enjoy it. Yeah. Again, I can see why people do. Whenever I say this sort of thing, it's not that, oh, it's a bad film. No, we've all got a taste. Yeah, it's just not my taste. I can't do with the horror. I can't do with... Again, the psychological side, I enjoyed this idea of, oh, it's all in your mind, mm. but then the actual gore and slash and stuff was too much for me. And, of course, as the budget increases for these films because they make yeah. money, the gore increases, increases too. Admittedly... I would have to watch them to get to that point, even yeah. though people probably say, which you're probably about to say, yes. oh, no, you don't. It's- yeah, you don't. And if anything, it's more of a Freddy film than a Jason film. And yep. if you watch it as a Jason film, you watch it more as a standalone film. Yeah, yep, yep. I think you enjoy it more that way. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Alexander Hilson was replying to an image we had of Jaws, and he said, look, Jaws is an adventure film. <laughs> You've got to go straight in with Saw 4. Saw 4 is the last film I've seen of the Saw franchise mm-hmm. because the opening scene, which was an autopsy, <laughs> physically made my stomach churn, and I was nauseated for the rest of the film. And so I've just gone, yeah, if this is where they're going with the franchise, I yeah, yeah I don't particularly need to keep on seeing it and this is where I again have my limits I don't need to see all of these things Um, Saw is great psychologically there's always a clever twist at the end but you know my imagination is fine yeah you know I mean they've done a really good job with them and the films are clever in that regard yep but you almost feel even by the time you get to four it's a one trick pony that just keeps repeating itself I appreciate you can say that for a lot of franchises anyway but for me you sometimes don't mind the familiar, yep. but it has to be giving you something. And gore, to the degree that Saw does it, yeah, not for me. I'm going to talk about Jaws. Phil, have you ever seen Jaws? Um, a long time ago, and I think it was one of those I was watching patches yeah, on cool. TV sort of thing. Great. So, you know, Phil and I do Fred Watch, prepare. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> because Jaws is actually my all-time favourite film. Yes, yes. This and, I, know, this I know. Yeah, and I will say that for a lot of people, they're like, oh, you know, oh, the shark looks so fake, rah, rah. Which, look, if that's how you feel about it... Yeah. Um, Great introduction to horror. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. um, it is a horror movie. Alexander more so than an adventure film, I would say. But for me, that shock is so real all the way through it, and it is a masterful story told by mm. a masterful filmmaker. Mm. Um, you can look at beyond the horror elements, and for you know a man versus monster movie, if you yeah. like, for a creature feature, it. You know, it's not that bloody. It's not that gory. It is absolutely thrilling. And there is one seat jumper that is just so intense. 
gets me every single time. Yep. And I've probably seen Jaws more than any other film. Yeah. Yeah. So great recommendations, Alex. But ooh, I don't know about Saw 4 there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Mark James. G'day, Mark. Says Nightmare on Elm Street. All right, so Phil, you've already seen it. Yep. You've had your point of view. Um, look, to be honest, if you want to get someone in on the horror genre, it is actually a really good one. It's a good mm. classic. Everyone knows the basic story. Um which, side note, found out recently is not always a bad thing. Apparently humans love, the reason we love binge-watching and then re-watching is actually because there's a thing in our mind where we like to know the resolution mm. before we finish seeing it. We actually yeah. enjoy that as humans. It's called the spoiler effect. Okay. And uh, it's why people aren't actually really that pissed off when spoilers happen. Well, I'm an exception to that rule. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, um, yeah, look, I'd say that's a really good call um, because it isn't your... It's not your saw, your full-on yeah. sort of thing. It is... Again, it's not tame, but it's... Yeah. Lighter than a lot could be. Yeah, so it's the Nightmare on Elm Street films. I like them not as much as I like my, say, Friday the 13th or even Halloween's, but they are good films. Uh, part two of that franchise is quite interesting because a lot of people, when they analyze part two, see it as a metaphor for coming out of the closet, which was really interesting. And the remake to A Nightmare on Elm Street, I think, is phenomenal okay. for a remake yep. I am in the vast minority yeah, of that yeah, yeah. opinion uh, we see Freddy for really who he is in the remake they mm. dance around it in the franchise we see it okay. in the remake and I th- applaud them so much for going there and I think they did a good job nice our mate Ash Hall yes says Halloween yes this is what started the contemporary slasher ah. uh, you know subgenre. yes it goes back to Psycho, Peeping Tom even before then. But if you want to talk about the the golden era of slasher films, Halloween really popularized it. It was taking off a film called Black Christmas, then Halloween came, then Friday the 13th, mm-hmm. and Friday the 13th said, let's do a sequel, you can make it a franchise. Oh. So Friday the 13th made slasher franchises what they are, mm-hmm. but it owes a lot to Halloween, yep. which... Is that the one with the guy in the ghost mask, whatever it is? Yep, so that's... And uh, not another team movie or whatever it is, parodies or... Oh, you're thinking of Scream? You're thinking of Scream? Oh, Scream. So Scream is that horror comedy and Scary Movie is the parody of Scream. Ah. So with Halloween... So Horror Movie parodied a comedy? No, so... So Scream was... So Scream was... Scream is a horror series yep. with comedy in it. Ah, okay, yeah. And then Scary Movie parodied it. Okay, cool, yeah. gotcha. Yeah. Yep. Halloween does have a ghostly mask with Michael Myers, and a lot of you will know what that mask looks like, but I'm just going to show Philip here. And it's that mask there, Oh, Philip. Yep. okay. And so do you Not know, what I was thinking. Yeah, and do you know who, who that mask is a face of? Who? William Shatner. Ah, yeah, I see that. So, see, I thought that was the mask for Chainsaw. No, Chainsaw Massacre. No, the Chainsaw Massacre one is more like I think it's supposed to resemble skin more than anything else because he does use people's skin and flesh. Oh, okay, yeah, no, definitely not what I was thinking. Yeah, so I'm showing Philip all of these images, but horror buffs will will know the different faces. Yeah, okay. Uh, Yeah, but Halloween... I think I'm caught up now. Yeah, Halloween (laughs) is an absolute classic. It's Look, it's a great franchise as well, and you can watch it with four or five different Mm storylines because it goes in 
continuity is not a friend yeah. of the slasher film. Yeah. Uh, beautifully made. John Carpenter, the theme song is iconic and the sequel is currently in cinemas and is making a killing. Hey. So, Phil, we've got two gags, troll yeah. responses. Yes. Uh, um, sorry. How so, you... Stacy Zaganidis said The Last Airbender. Yes, so and, that was horror. And, that was absolute nightmare horror. For all the wrong reasons. For all the wrong reasons. And another reason um, that a movie might be a horror film, probably more for um, men and parents everywhere, mm. from Tim, <laughs> our mm. T-Bomb mate, High School Musical. Yeah, yeah, that's... <laughs> Which, I have to be honest, I actually have seen the... I don't know how many there are, but I've seen three of the High School Musical films. They're actually not that bad. Yeah. Innocent fun. They're Disney fluff. I haven't seen them, but I got tortured by music theatre students singing the songs <laughs> uh, between classes. Hey, so. look, it gave us Zac Efron, who's a talented well, man. Yeah, yeah, this is true. Next response, Phil? Uh, Shelley Voltron says Candyman, because it was the only one that terrified me as a kid. Yeah, I'm not a fan of the Candyman film, so the idea is that when you look in a mirror and say Candyman three times, he appears. I like Beetlejuice. Similar to that, but Candyman will kill you. Ah. Um not a big fan of this particular franchise, but I can appreciate that when you're a child, it would terrify you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the one and only... How often... Sorry, yeah. just to refer, How often are people saying Candyman three times into... A mirror. A mirror. Well, if you know of the mythology and if you know of the folklore, you will always test fate. At uh, least they do in horror films. Yeah. Um, again, the film didn't do much for me. Again, I can see why it'd be terrifying as a kid. Side note, I have never looked in a mirror and said Candyman three times, just to be safe. (laughs) The Kendall Richardson is delivering her first response to a pop culture question. Kendall, if you are listening, this must feel extremely weird. (laughs) So Kendall has said, so I think I would start with some horror comedies to ease them in. Films like Beetlejuice, Zombieland, Shaun of the Dead. Then there's Jaws, of course. And if the person is feeling a little game, maybe Poltergeist from 1982, an absolute classic. Oh, yeah. Agree with you 100%, Kendall. We don't agree with each other much. <laughs> but in terms of horror films, we agree. Yeah. So, Phil, you've seen Beetlejuice? Uh, no. Zombieland? Oh, no, I have seen Beetlejuice. Sorry, yes. Yeah, um, you've seen Zombieland? Love Zombieland. Shaun of the Dead, you've love mentioned. Shaun of the, love the Cornetto trilogy. Yep. Jaws, you'll be watching I'll soon. I'll be watching soon. <laughs> and I've po- never seen Poltergeist. Yeah, Poltergeist, again, it's about, um, you know, it's a supernatural one. It gets a bit silly as well mm-hmm. towards the end, but it's a good film too. Funnily enough, and again, this is not one that's been mentioned here at all. Yeah. But there's actually a soundtrack to a horror movie, which I love. And what's that one? The Exorcist. The Exorcist? Yes. Tubular Bells. The Exorcist is the most terrifying film I have ever (laughs) seen. And to fill you in about how scary it is, and yes, I did see it as a kid. (laughs) Do you notice the pattern of people who love horror movies? Start start them young. Uh, I saw it as a kid and did not sleep properly for about three nights. I did the same in Jurassic Park. (laughs) Oh, Phil, you and I are in different pages here, buddy So, with The Exorcist I have still, even as an adult Only seen a TV cut Uh, Edited version And the last time I saw the film TV cut, heavily edited During the day yeah. Could not sleep well that night either. Yeah. Yeah. So that is a terrifying film I'm going to will myself to watch it At least (laughs) once in full At night Yeah, yeah, yeah (laughs) 
Hopefully with somebody holding my hand. Now, I've got a couple of honourable mentions I want to throw out there. And I know we don't normally do this. Go for it. This is horror films. Go for it. I've got another hour in me. So these honourable mentions, because they're not exactly horror films. Yes. And they also might skirt the border of horror themselves. But I wanted to throw them in because they were, as someone that's not a fan of horror films, would still like to throw in as something that I think. Could count for. Look, Philip, because... I'm not you... about to say Jurassic Park. Look, so. I was going to say, because you said Jurassic Park, no. I feel like anything's so, up for grabs. Go for it. What's your honourable so, mentions? Um, War of the Worlds. Yeah. The musical version. Yes. If you listen to that, it is done so well. Because initially, War of the Worlds, the book, was actually a horror book. Yeah. And you listen to the 1970, I think, six... Um, Jeff Wayne uh, uh, musical rendition. Yeah. I used to listen to that in the dead of night. And yeah, you've got these big sort of, you know, musical bits. You know, the chances of anything. But you then also have just these super quiet. Yeah. And then this grinding noise. And when you're... 10, even 15-year-old yeah. in the middle of the bush with these huge dark windows surrounding <laughs> you out to the nothingness of the middle of the night, yeah. home alone. That is the most terrifying thing ever. Speaking of soundtracks, I was listening to the Shining soundtrack while I was mm-hmm. working on my computer. Mm-hmm. Maybe, And I'm more of a scaredy cat than I'm <laughs> acknowledging here. But I'm telling you... It was actually a bit scary to listen to um, while I was just on my computer, broad daylight, working, and I'm just like, after a while, I was like, I'm just going to put this thing on mute for now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's another honourable mention. Mm-hmm. Oh, for me, yes. Yeah. Um, and these two, again, they're a little bit unconventional, but I still think that they fit well enough into our, um, our setting. Mm-hmm. Uh, one is um, Salad Fingers. Yeah. On YouTube. Yeah. Um, again, I know they're going for more the creep factor than the horror factor, but again, you watch those things and you'll be disturbed yeah. and creeped out. And the next one is a indie series called Don't Hug Me, I'm Scared. Ooh. It is a political statement piece yeah. um, by these independent uh, children's film. Uh, children's show creators. Yeah. And it's essentially an, a statement on how the uh, the media, mass media and production companies have ruined children's television. But the way they do it is in this nightmarish, almost big brothery yeah. uh, sort of uh, thing, making these puppets and stuff do horrific things. And, Ooh. oh, if you like your horror yeah. and you want something that's really juxtaposed to each other definitely do that well this is one of the reasons why i absolutely love the horror genre because there's so much breadth and scope that you can go with also i love the idea of being terrified and then after the credits are rolled i feel safe again yeah yeah. and there's something really (laughs) i don't know just something really nice about it Mm -hmm. that's a really weird thing to say but it's the best word i can come up with right now also seeing a horror film in a cinema is a lot of fun. Yeah. It is so much fun because you have people jumping and sort of screaming at moments and they're overreacting because they're reacting to the people next to them. And then you've got people on the other side of the cinema laughing because of their overreaction. (laughs) It's a fun... And this is the thing. Horror movies are fun in that right spirit. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So rounding up, if I would introduce people, start... go, Go all the way back 
and just start from the beginning and enjoy. Those Universal monster movies are fantastic yeah. and you can always appreciate them. And the slasher films of the 70s and 80s <laughs> are king. Nice. So, Philip. Yes. Next week's question. Next week, we want to know what game universe would you like to live in? Ooh. So, you know, what game um, would you actually want to live in? Not so much what game do you like the most. Mm. It doesn't have to be because I'll tell you now, I enjoy Tetris. I don't want to live in that universe. <laughs> I'm not that flexible. No, you'd never, get, you'd never work your way out, hey? That's it. So... What universe, gaming universe, would you like to live in? Great question, Phil. Let us know at hashtag tell Fred. Fantastic. So, what's up with Fred? What are you doing, Philip? Um, still um, plodding along with Incompetent Gamers. We've now yeah. shifted from a Monday afternoon Australian time to a Tuesday afternoon yes, Australian and, time. And you get an occasional Fulia jumping yes. in. Yes, um, Fulia has taken our Monday slot, which is beautiful. Yeah. Um, so double the Incompetent Gamers exactly. videos. Exactly. It's so good. Yeah. Um, I think that's all that's happening with me at the moment. Yeah. So, you know, we've got a Fred Watch coming up soon. So we've got any... We've been, we teased it a bit on Facebook, yep. <laughs> what's coming up. Uh, so that'll be later on in the month. Mm-hmm. Kendall's got a fantastic collectible chaos that has just dropped. The girls of the monthly also have a great podcast out. I just listened to it the other day talking about fears and phobias. Uh, so yes. if you're not quite over Halloween and all things <laughs> scary yet, check out collectible chaos and the monthly. Um, but I think the most exciting thing for the month of November, Philip, is we've got Unibums. Yes. New episode of Unibums. Yes. Very soon. Very soon. Very soon. So we can't wait to share that with the world. Lots of exciting things coming up. And also on our social media, we're teasing something. Teasing or something. That's happening it's coming in soon. January. Yes. What could it be? Just ask Fulia. She spills the beans all the time uh, on all of her podcasts. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think that's just about a wrap. That's about it. We'll have Kendall back. Yay! Yes, how relieved are you all? (laughs) And And that that was was a podcast podcast called Fred. Remember to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. For future podcasts from Fred the Alien Productions, follow us on our SoundCloud or on iTunes. For Fred the Alien merchandise, go to our website, www.fredthealienproductions.com and follow the links to our Redbubble, where you can get T-shirts, hoodies, wall art, home decor, bags, and stationery with our unique Fred the Alien designs by our talented team. Unibums, incompetent gamers, and our live stage shows such as The Writer and Michael and Philip are getting married in the morning. I've been a Philip Hunton. I've been a Wayne Stellini. And you've just experienced a, a podcast, podcast called Fred. Fred. Episode 42. Uh, early 40s. Early 40s. Yay. <laughs> <laughs>